right. Good morning, church family. How we doing? I mean, how, how are we, though? No, I mean, come on. Come on. Is Jesus still on the throne? Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, at least we're not Tennessee fans. Turn to them and say on that. Tell them that. <laughs> oh! Ay! Oh! Anyway, should be a long season. Uh, how many of you have ever rebelled against God before? Raise your hand in church. Like, even if you don't, okay, if you're not raising your hand, you're lying in church, okay? <laughs> don't lie in church. God will kill you. Uh, truth is, all of us have rebelled against God at one point or another, everyone except maybe my wife. Uh, I don't know if she's ever rebelled against God, but, but most all of us have done that. I, I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to be obedient to what God tells us to do, to go where he tells us to go. So we're continuing this series of talks, uh, old school, and opened up last week with the fiery furnace. And there's these, these stories that we we studied them on felt boards in Sunday school growing up. And, and although the methods have changed, the stories still have significant impact, meaning, and purpose. And so today I want to talk about Jonah, the story of this minor prophet that God told to go and do something specific, and he struggled with the going, with doing what God had asked him to do. Now, this is one of the books in the Bible that pessimists and people that maybe don't believe in the word say, aha, here's, here's more proof that the Bible can't be true because there's just no way that it could happen, that a man could survive in the belly of a fish for three days. Like, there's just no way that that could happen, although there are three documented cases of this happening, the same, similar type of thing. You can look those up, but there was a, a teacher one time in a classroom that was making fun of this story and making fun of the fact that there's just no way the Bible could be true because it's got stories like, like Jonah in the well and how that can never happen, making fun of that. And, and so this young student in the room, this young lady, raised her hand and said, well, it is true, and I believe it. And, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Jonah about it. And the teacher said, well, what if Jonah isn't in heaven? And the student paused for a second, and then she said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> it was one of my kids. Just joking, but I was, that would be awesome. Come on, you know you'd be like getting a high five on that one. I think it's important as we read through this story that it's completely clear that God has called all of us to go. There's no exception. When we accept what Jesus has done in our lives on the cross, we don't just get saved, we also get sent. It happens together. It's supposed to happen together. But I think all of us can struggle like Jonah did in the going and actually doing what God has asked us to do because God gives us missions and sometimes missions are difficult. And there's a lot of reasons why it's difficult to go. I think we all have different reasons, excuses, even legitimate things in our minds that suggest, nah, everyone else should go, but I don't think I can. 
But I think this story shows us no matter what, God has called us and we need to be obedient to what he's asked us to do. So in Jonah chapter one, verse one, it says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go. Everybody say go. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Uh, If I could get into the history of Nineveh, it was this major city. It was a developing city, but they were a very corrupt people, paganistic. Announce my judgment against them because I have seen how wicked its people are. But here's the deal. Jonah did not want to do this. There was no interest in him whatsoever to do this. And I think it was for a couple of reasons. I think it was for a couple of reasons that a lot of us can relate to when it comes to us being obedient to the things that God would be leading us to do. Because one of the fears that Jonah had was that it was going to ruin his life. It's going to ruin his life. Now, for Jonah, like he meant that in the literal sense. It was going to end his life. Because the people that lived in Nineveh, man, they were violent people. Like when outsiders showed up to Nineveh, they would kill them and then display them on the outside walls of the city. And if you read the other, another prophet, Nahum, he talks about how violent the people of Nineveh were. And so one of the issues with, with Jonah, he's very practical in his thinking. He's like, God, they kill people in Nineveh. So I don't want to go to Nineveh because I want to be alive. It's better to be alive than dead. And, and so, God, I don't really feel like you need to send me, just judge them. Don't send me to talk to them, just, just, just judge them. There's, there's a time to tell and there's a time to kill. And God, this is a time just to kill. Just kill them all. He didn't want to go and mess with it. He also didn't want them to get saved. In his mind, they weren't worth it. Why? Because he knew how evil they were. Because he's like, God, if they get saved, then you won't judge them. And these people really need to be judged. You ever met anyone in your life that you really are not interested in going to church with? Come on, let's be honest. Maybe even someone you're like, well, I, I, sure, I sure hope I don't have to go to heaven with those people. God and his humor will probably put you right next door to them if they make it into heaven, by the way. So you may want to change your, your, your tune a little bit. I think all of us have probably felt this way. It's like God is, God is calling me. In this case, this, is, this would be like God calling me to be the chaplain for the ISIS army. Like I'd be like, no. No, I think, I think you just nuke them, God. Just, huh? I'm not interested in bringing Jesus to them. So if they get saved, that's really tough to swallow. If they don't get saved, they're going to kill me. So that's the reason why Jonah decides, so no, I'm going to go the opposite direction. So in a different translation, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, this great city, and call, it, uh, call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. In case you haven't gathered, he's not going the way that God wanted him to go. He's going to Tarshish. So he paid a fare and went down into it. 
to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of God. So the writer is emphasizing like, hey, I'm pretty determined I'm not going to do what God has told me to do. Twice, away from the presence of God, away from the presence of God. He's going to go to Tarshish instead, which is 2,000 miles in the opposite direction of where God was telling him to go. Like, God, I'm out of here. And I'm going to go too far for you to find me. I'm going to go so far, there's no, even if you do find me, it's going to be too late for me to help these people. And God's just like, you're so cute. <laughs> Bless your heart. Have you ever ran away from the presence and will of God? Because, by the way, these are interchangeable. Like, in other words, it's God's will for you to be in his presence. But it's only in his presence that you find his will. His word is another interchangeable word. Like, it's in his word that you find his will, and it's only in his will that you find his presence, but it's in his presence that you're going to find his word, and it's in his word that you find his will. And that's why I love church so much. And I like being in church because here's the deal. I have some really tough weeks where I just get frustrated and mad (laughs) and irritable. And I know that my flesh doesn't look anything like the spirit of Jesus. Nothing like the flavor of Jesus. But I know if I can get here, if I can get here, I can get into the presence of God. And no matter how big of a bonehead I've been that week, I can get back in his will, and his word is going to help me. But he's running away from the presence of God because he's running away from the will of God, which means he's also running away from his, his word. Some of you are running away from the word of God for your life. Like you know that the Lord has given you something specific that he's asked you to do and you've just been resisting it like crazy. And you have a lot of really practical and reasonable justifications. Uh, You've even asked other people their opinion and you've given them minimal context and they've given you (laughs) advice and counsel based on minimal context. Like you probably didn't go to somebody and say, hey, um, God told me this gave me this scripture, confirmed it through someone else, what do you think? I don't, I I mean, most lost people are like, sounds like you need to do that, (laughs) you know, like, but we don't usually do that. We're usually like, hey, I was thinking, I don't know if it's a good idea or not, what do you think? But you've been justifying going away from the word of God, away from what he's asked you to do, Maybe the Lord spoke to you during a sermon. Or maybe while you were reading the word. But you know that you're not in that word now. So even now, you're in his house and 2,000 miles away from his purpose. Running away from his will. Back to verse 3, it says, So he paid a fare and went down into it. Like anytime you're running from God, there's going to be a tab for you to pay. Uh, it's just the principle. The, theologically speaking, all sin has to be paid for. 
And so then the question is, are, are you going to pay for it or are you going to let him pay for it? But when you run away from God, when you rebel, there's going to be a, a tab to pay. And, and, and it's not necessarily because God is making it happen. It's, it's because there's consequences for decisions we make in, in life. There's natural consequences for decisions we make in life. But, but there is a tab to pay. And, but the thing is, God's always saying, like, look, I've, I've already paid the tab. You just have to choose to let me pay it, but you have to be in my will for me to pay the tab. Most of y'all know I'm raising four kids, and, and all four of our kids have different perspectives on money and saving money. Like, we've got the kid that's like, as soon as they get the money, they, they're like, as soon as they get the money, they're like, let's go to the dollar store. We're, we're, we got to go. They're smart because they want to go to the dollar store because they can get way more junk at the dollar store, right, than they could get anywhere else. So they, go, they just want to go spin it and meet. It's like burn a hole in their pocket. So you go spin. And then I've got the saver that's just like, like freaking out, like never wants to spend any money ever, just never, just like hoarding every penny. Like if, if, if they're counting their own money and there happens to be a penny anywhere on the floor in the whole house while they're counting the money and somebody finds that penny, they insist that has to be mine because I'm counting my money right now. And that penny that was three rooms over must have fallen off of here and rolled into there. It's clearly mine. But recently, we've had a couple of our kids, like, they wanted to buy some stuff. And so they went and bought some stuff. But then they asked my oldest daughter, London, they said, London, why aren't you buying anything? She says, why would I want to spend my own money? My birthday is two weeks away. <laughs> That's stupid. Like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let mom and dad buy me all the stuff I want for my birthday. It's a pretty smart girl. But I think there's a lot of different personalities in the way we approach how God has paid the tab in our life. And some of us think we're just going to have to keep working our way towards these graces and forgiveness. But then some of us, we just realize, like, no, like, dad already paid for it. The tab's already paid. I'm just going to let him pay it. Instead of me going and doing what I think I need to do, I'm just going to let him pay for it. I'm just going to let him do it. Because there is a tab, and when you, when you pay the tab, when you rebel away from God, it, it can cost you your health, it can cost you your joy, for sure, your marriage, your career, your purpose, your sanity. There is a tab to play when we run away from the things of God. Says so he went down into it, and that's what happens. You're going down. It's a matter of time. But verse 4 said, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind. How many of y'all know God's got some big moves, right? Like, so this is scary because when God hurls a powerful wind, you know this is like no joke. But I love this. Look, if you will move towards God, then he will move towards you. But if you choose to move away from God, you have to understand he still has a move. Like he's still, he's still gonna move because he loves you. And so this is probably the most preachy thing I'm gonna say today, but it has to do with God's discipline. It has to do with understanding like when, when you're a child of God, he's not gonna just let you run to a place that's going to hurt you and also hurt other people. It's like us that have kids. Like if you come out of a store or whatever and your kid starts bolting across the parking lot, you're just going to be like, okay, be careful, dodge well. 
be shifty. <laughs> what do you do? You run and you grab them, right? And what do you? Come on, you're gonna get hurt. I'm running after you. I pulled a quad. <laughs> now I'm hurt. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 5, and have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. It means daughters too. And some of you wives are like elbowing your husband right now. It's like, see, see. It's talking to daughters too. But here's the thing. If you're rebelling and God is not running after you, you may have to ask the question, whose kid are you? Like if God is not coming after you with his discipline, but as soon as you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a heavenly father who loves you and every good dad is going to do whatever it takes to get their kid back in line. He's going to go after them. He's going to pursue them. And that's what's happening with, with Jonah. You're never going to get away from his will. And verse 4 says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to the gods for help and threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. <laughs> Some people are so far away from God, they don't even realize it when God has brought a storm to get their attention. But this is a false peace. Like everyone's throwing stuff, freaking out, and Jonah's snoring. But this is, not, this is not the peace that God gives you. Like I, I, I saw someone recently that, 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 man, godly man with a godly marriage, godly family, and made a decision to commit adultery, to, to, to leave his family, leave his wife, all of this. And so, so I saw him and... <laughs> And so I went over and just to say, hey, how you doing? What's, what's going on? And I was like, everything's great. Everything's great. I'm great. Everything's great. I'm uh, so happy. Everything's great. But that's not the joy that comes from God. Jesus said, my peace I give you. Well, what kind of peace did Jesus have? It was the peace that transcends understanding. It's the kind of peace that even when things get tough, you don't quit. It's the kind of peace that says, look, I'm going to keep trusting God. Even if my situation and circumstances doesn't look good, I still have peace. It's a real peace, though, and it's a real rest. And it has nothing to do with the amount of sleep you get. It has everything to do with your mind and your soul being at rest because you know who's in control.
but Jonah's sawing logs. The storm's going on. So the captain went down after him. Can you, how can you sleep in a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. I love this, though, because the, the captain's a sinner. So the Bible says that they're all calling on their gods, but he's recognizing now it's like something's, something's up. Like, he, the sinner, the lost person is identifying something's going on with this guy. I find it interesting that sometimes the world <laughs> knows when a believer is off and away from God before the believer knows they're off and away from God. It's interesting. I have more people that are lost that ask me to pray for them than believers that ask me to pray for them because they just recognize. This guy <laughs> is away from God and in a very difficult place. And even the lost people are saying, hey, you need to wake up. You need to see this. I love how God works his purpose in the middle of this. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives in the crew lot, uh, cast lots to see which one of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. When they did this, lots, the lots identified Jonah as a culprit. So even God is using this paganistic ritual to say, yeah, it's his fault. <laughs> totally throwing Jonah under the boat. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this because they'd already, he'd already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Okay, why did you do this? They're like saying, look, dude, if you want to be an idiot, fine. But just don't be an idiot around us. Because now it's affecting us. You need to understand this. Your sin hurts me. Your sin doesn't just hurt you. Your sin hurts us. When you decide to rebel against the things of God, especially when you refuse to go, it doesn't just affect you. It hurts me. It hurts the body of Christ. It's not just you like, well, this, I can make this decision. And No, it's going to affect more than just you. It's going to affect it's going to affect the kingdom. It's, it's going to affect your sin hurts more than just you. It's more than just you. They're saying, okay, then what are we supposed to do? But this guy's like, he's crazy. Verse 12 says, just throw me in the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm. I know this is a terrible storm and it's all my fault. But, but he's out of his mind because he doesn't know a fish is going to come and save him. He's saying, I would rather die than to go to Nineveh. I'd rather die than to be obedient to what God has asked me to do. Every other chapter, if you read through Jonah, this guy is depressed and wants to die. No peace. The storm is a spiritual storm, not a natural storm. And uh, when you're in that place, you'll, you'll, 
you'll know it more than anything because you'll be discouraged. You'll, you'll be depressed. It'll be difficult to function when you're away from the things of God. Verse 13, instead the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to land. But the stormy seas were too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord. This is Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die from this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death, O Lord. You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. We don't know what it is. He is jacked up. We get it. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck at the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. But don't you love it that even in our rebellion, God is still able to work his word. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. In chapter 2, it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. From the belly of the fish. I don't know about you, but I have prayed some of my best prayers in really difficult circumstances. Uh, God usually knows what it takes for me to get to a place of desperation. And he's very faithful to get me there. Where I just, I'm desperate. Here's the deal. God wants, and he wants us to follow his will. He wants us to to have everything that he has for us in life. But the truth is, it's got to start with a prayer of repentance. Like there's people in this room today, there are some big things that God wants to do in you and through you throughout the course of your life, but it has to start with you saying, I've got to stop and turn away from what I've been doing, what I want to do, and I've got to turn towards what God wants me to do. And so he prays this prayer of repentance like, I'm, I'm okay, okay. The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited. <laughs> Jonah out onto the dry land. <laughs> you can just imagine that scene. Just like covered. Ah. I imagine it's like baby spit up, which is the worst kind of vomit that you can possibly imagine, you know? He's just like covered in it. But, but where, did he, where did he vomit him up? Back where he first disobeyed. Back at square one, buddy. So you've got to choose. You can, go, you can try to run off to Tarshish again. Or you can be obedient. And go. And, and here's the thing. The second time, God still didn't tell him what. He just said, go. Go back to Tarshish. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The second time saying, arise and go to Nineveh. Sorry, Nineveh, not Tarshish. He's just saying go. God doesn't give much information. He doesn't give us much information. By the way, if you're waiting on God to give you all the information before you start going, that's not the way it works. It's not like, God, I want to be in control, then I'll go. You know, it's like, no, you, you don't get it. I need to be in control. That's what's best for you and everyone else. So just start going, and I'll give you the details when it's time. 
I'll give you the details. We tell our kids that. When they start asking us questions, road trips or whatever, when they start asking them, what are we doing there? When are we going to eat? When are we, we get there? When are we so our phrase is, we'll tell you when we get there. We'll tell you when we get there. We'll tell you when we get there. That's what I tell people when I lead them on missions trips. Like, so when we get, and what's this going to look like? And what are we going to do? And I'm like, I'll tell you when we get there. I don't know. I'm going to know as soon as you know. God's usually telling us that. Look, I'll tell you when we get there. You're just going to have to trust me. A lot of times we want to know the details, and then we'll say, God, if I know the details, then I'll go. And God's saying, nope, you need to start going, and then I'll give you the details. So he went through, he repented, he went to Nineveh, everyone got saved. Everyone got saved. Everyone repented, including, including the king, repented. But I think the thing that, that Jonah was missing he had forgotten the grace that God had given him. He'd forgotten that God had revealed himself to him. That's the only way that he knew who God was. And I think that a lot of times the reason why we don't go is because we've forgotten the grace that God has shown us. A lot of times, man, when we, when I, look, I love it when somebody gets saved. Like for the very first time, I love that especially when they were really jacked up before. Like they're totally messed up and then they get saved. I love it because, man, they're so passionate. They're just like, man, I'll do anything. It's like, I'm ever, you tell me to charge the gates of hell with a water pistol, I'm going, let's do this thing because they're just like so passionate, willing to do anything. And I think most of us probably started there. But then there's a slow fade of like, I'm just, now I'm just kind of comfortable in being saved. And I think, I think I just, I, this happens to me. I just forgot, I forgot his grace. I forgot how he pursued me, how he went after me. I believe that rebelling against God could keep us from experiencing the greatest move of our lives. And I'm just not interested in ever being in that place. And honestly, the, the, the challenge in the, in, in, and the battle happens every time our church grows because I know that we could, I know that we could do some things that would shut us down and just keep us like, this is nice, I like this, this feels good, let's just do this. And I can make decisions that would keep us from growing, but I believe that that would be rebellion. And as Jarrett mentioned, we're launching another campus, West Little Rock. There are people that are not, that don't want us to plant campuses all the time. It's like, why do we wanna keep them? Because God told us to go. <laughs> because the state of Arkansas is our Nineveh. And so we've got to keep going. So we're, the, the biggest area in my life that this relates to, and it relates to you too, by the way, we've been in this building for about three years. And guess what? We need three services now. It's going to happen. Okay, so, so this is... <laughs> But why? Why? Because there are still souls that are not sitting in this place that still need to encounter the presence of God. And I don't care how many services it takes, we're never gonna shut down God's will for us to grow. 
and it is God's will for us to grow because when we grow, it means souls. And so we're gonna keep being obedient to that. But this is what I need you to do. I need you to pray. I need you to seriously pray about what does that mean for me? Because we have amazing teams around here, people that serve, people that make everything happen around you. A couple hundred people every weekend, they, they are going. They go. They sacrifice so much this morning, just walking through this building before all of you showed up and just thinking about all the people that, that get here even earlier than I do to make sure that this place is ready to receive people so that people can be impacted by the, by the word of God, by his presence. And I'm just so thankful, just so thankful that we have so many faithful people to go, but we need some more of you to go with us. We need some more of you to start stepping up and saying, okay, this is, this is the family that God's called me to. This is the local body of believers that I'm plugged into. This is where my kids found Jesus. This is where, this is, this is my church. And, and I need you to stop renting the vision and start owning it. I need you to go with us. I need you to stop being a consumer and start being a contributor. I need you to, I, I, and, and here's the thing. Some of you, this, like you've been here a couple weeks, like, man, this is intense. I'm still trying to figure out if this is a cult or not. Like, you know, like, let me breathe a little. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I, I want to talk to you. And I want to encourage you, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. If you feel confident God's called you to this place, don't wait to actually be a part of this place. Don't wait to actually be a part of what God wants to do in you and through you in this place. Don't wait. But understand it can take a while before you figure all that out, and that's okay. But some of you, you've had long enough. You've had long enough. You really have. And so as your, as your brother in Christ and as your pastor, I'm just going to ask you, please pray. Please pray. And then just let us know what God told you about how you can help because we need more people on our serve teams. We need more people in our kids' rooms. The truth is this, if you wanna know the real reason why we have to go to three services, it's because we are building the kingdom of God one baby at a time in Jesus' name. <laughs> I mean, if you, the truth is, okay, so our little life rooms, our little life rooms, year to date, they've grown 17% over last year. In our kid life room, they've grown 21% over last year. Okay, so we're, we're, bringing, we're bringing lost people to Jesus, but we are also building the kingdom of God through procreation in Jesus' name. Like, we're doing this thing. And I love it because here's the thing. We are reaching the next generation in Jesus' name. Okay, so, so some of us, you know, we're not sure, like, what God's going to do. But I can tell you this. What God is gonna do with the generation behind us, whoo, watch out, but we gotta be faithful to that. But here's the thing, when people show up to our church and they wanna try out our church, and some of you can relate to this, please don't raise your hand right now, but if you show up to a new church and you walk in, you're like, man, they, it seems like they're real organized and everything, and then you walk up to a three-year-old room and there's 43-year-olds in there, you're like, yeah, this church seems cool, but there's no way I'm sending my kid into that room. It's just, and, it, and here's the thing, we have amazing leaders. Stephanie does an amazing job with having her team in that room and, 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 with, and with Bernie and his leaders. But it, at one point or another, at one point or another, it doesn't matter how many leaders you have in there, it's just too many people. 
And I want to make sure that when families walk into this church that are unchurched and de-churched for the very first time, they're not even, they, they were so nervous to even drive onto our parking lot. And, 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 but the walls are starting to come down because there's friendly people. And Mr. Bill wouldn't let them come in the building before he got, gave them a hug. And, 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 and we actually have parking team people that know how to smile and help people. And then they walk through the front doors and it's like, I've been greeted eight times since I walked in. You know, and, and all that, and, and all that is great, but I, as those walls continue to fall, and they say, maybe I'm willing to give church a chance for the first time in my whole life, the first time in 30 years. As, but if they walk down those hallways, I want the walls to stay down, so they say, and look at the space that they have. Look, they're ready for me. They, they're, they're able to receive me, and there's, there's chairs, and there's open space, but here's the thing. It's not gonna happen if you don't help us go. It's not gonna happen if you don't own it. And for some of you, it's gonna be very sacrificial because the main thing that we need is we need to free up some space in those rooms that the only way that we can move the services is to do a service that's earlier than this one. And so what I'm asking is some of you with young, with kids, to get up even earlier. I'm talking about supernatural stuff here, people. But if you wanna be a part of a move of God, then you gotta be willing to do some things that are uncomfortable so that we can free some space up. That's what we're gonna need. We'll get to that. Right now, I just need you to pray. <laughs> pray, just pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to do with this? And why do we do it? We do it for what's getting ready to happen. We do it because every week we give an opportunity for people that don't know their heavenly father to meet him. And there's some people in this room right now. You're away from him. You don't know how much he loves you. You've never truly, you, you may have been in religion, you may have been around church your whole life, but you've never come to the place where you just realize, I can have a real relationship with a real God through his son Jesus. And you've never surrendered to him. You've never made him your Lord and your Savior. And some of you did that at one point or another, but you have been on your way to Tarshish for a long time, running hard away from the things of God. And today it's time to stop and turn around. Today it's time to come back to him. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. If you're here today and you know you're just away from God, you don't have relationship with him. If you're just really honest with yourself. And here's the thing, like, I know the Holy Spirit, that, that, that thing in your gut right now, it's just like, God, <laughs> I, I sense that there's something here. There's something that God's wanting, I'm, that I'm supposed to be a part of, but I, I don't know how to connect the dots. But I understand that there's something that I need to do because I don't have peace. I don't have joy. I've never connected with, with this God that he's talking about. And I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to him. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out. And I believe you can make this decision right there in your chair at one point or another. You need to go public with this. You need to tell somebody. I encourage you to tell somebody as soon as this service is over, as soon as you can, get water baptized. Sign up for a water baptism here. If you need to do it somewhere else, let us know. We'll go to a pool anywhere you wanna go, a river, a lake, and we want you to go public with this decision. But here's the thing. It's gonna start with you making a personal decision to stop and to turn towards him.
And I'm gonna say a prayer today. And if you wanna be included in this prayer and say this prayer with me, I'm gonna ask you to be bold enough just to confess that it's you, that you're away from God and you need him. There's nobody looking around. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I just wanna know who I'm praying with. God, thanks, bro. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, thank you so much. Got it, yes, ma'am, thank you. Got it. Just say, I'm away from him. I need him. Got it, thank you, guys. It's family. Got it, bro. Love you so much. Anybody else? I'm just away from him. I've never surrendered my life to him. I need to come back to him for the first time. Anybody else? I just need Jesus. Thanks. Got it. I saw you. I got it. Christians, you better be praying harder than you've ever prayed in your life. This is eternity. This is people's souls. Anybody else? That's me. Don't be stubborn. This is not a good time to be stubborn. Don't be like Jonah. Just say, yeah, it's me. I need to surrender my life to him. Okay. Got it. For those few folks who raise your hand, I just want to encourage you. Let's just talk to God. Don't overcomplicate it. Just say something like this. Say, God, here's my life. And I know that it's broken. And I know I can't save myself. God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I don't understand all the details. I can't even, there's no way I can understand how you could love somebody like me and forgive every mistake. I can't even keep up with that. But, but God, I just believe in faith that you paid the price for my sin. And, and I, I'm also thankful that you defeated death and you defeated my sin because you rose from the grave. You came back to life. And I have the hope of heaven because of you. But I don't want to wait to get to heaven to experience who you are. I want to start living for you now. And so I stop and I turn towards you. I repent, God. Help me to live for you. Lead me by your Holy Spirit. Speak to me through your word. Help me to be connected to the body of Christ with other people that believe what I now believe so that I can grow and become the person you've called me to be. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving me, for saving me, for pursuing me, for getting my attention and calling me back home. Thank you so much. God, I thank you for that. And I pray that we would continue to be a people, to be a church that goes, that goes, that's obedient. When you ask us to go, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard, even when it's it's sacrificial, God, it's gonna take us giving up some comforts. It's, It's gonna be us giving up some time. It's gonna be us giving up resources. It's God, it's worth it. It's worth it because we remember the grace that you showed to chase after us. Thank you. We want to be faithful with it in Jesus' name. Amen.